Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the show. And as always, thank you very much for being here. And uh, yeah, we're going to cover a lot of different news going on out there. Try to get you guys caught up on really what's going on in the market and uh, give you a little bit of my two cents uh, as to really what's going on out there and try to follow up with really what I was saying last time about the uh, the market trying to push higher last week. And overall, could it be a head fake? Could it be uh, signs for further declines to come? And a couple of reasons why it might, but uh, another couple of reasons why I still think that I want to be adding uh, to different names, to different positions, and to keep making my portfolio grow. Uh, even if it's not in the short term, I still have these long-term goals of getting my portfolio to where it can really be something uh, that can, you know, give me that freedom to ultimately live off some dividends, you know, sell some different things that have grown too much in, in 10, 15 years, maybe. But uh, I still am very bullish about that three to five year timeline. And uh, the short term might be a little bit more painful. So uh, still, I want to add these uh, different stocks. And uh, we're going to cover a little bit about what I'm looking at, ultimately what I'm buying, what I'm going to continue to buy, and uh, really why these names are sticking out to me. Uh, so I guess with that being said, uh, if you are not already on the uh, Let It Grow Investing Facebook group, please get over there. Get your votes in. We are trying to finish out this year. And uh, we're doing an investing challenge where I'm putting in $200 every week. And uh, we are buying the stock that the, the group votes on. So we only have a couple more weeks. At the end of the year, we'll have invested over $10,000 into this one account. And uh, ultimately, I want to see if we can beat the S&P 500. And uh, then we got some decisions to make. Do we let this account grow? Do we uh, sell it off? Do we invest it into index funds or ETFs? Do we take that money and reinvest it for next year? Do we even double down and, and add another $200 and go uh, $400 into each name every week next year? Uh, so ultimately, we've, we've got some different decisions to make. So I'd like to hear your input as to what you guys want to see done and uh, really kind of take part in what's going on in this portfolio. So if you're not following along, if you're not voting, uh, if you're not uh, adding that money every week with us, uh, maybe think about doing that or maybe think about picking your own stocks that you really like. And uh, if, if you don't like the ones that I've got, give me an offer or option as to what I should be adding, where I should be looking and uh, some stocks that might work for you and the group. So uh, with that being said, let's get into some news here. So I know we were talking about uh, Warren Buffett a while back investing into Taiwan, uh, Taiwan semiconductors. And ultimately, uh, you know, we were looking at some of the different problems, the fact that uh, China could invade at any moment. But uh, now Taiwan Semi is going to be building a second plant in Arizona. So it seems like uh, Warren did a little bit more research than I did, you know, believe it or not, when he's spending millions and billions of dollars on a company, he's... Uh, He's got some more insight than I do. So he's building the or the Taiwan Semi is building this chip manufacturer in Arizona. Uh, Apple has now decided that they are going to be building uh, their chips from Taiwan Semiconductor in Arizona. So they're going to be uh, U.S. made 
And they're also going to have uh, less supply chain problems from having sources or uh, chips sourced locally. So definitely, uh, I think, good for Taiwan Semi, good for Warren Buffett and Berkshire, good for Apple, and uh, I think good for the uh, the people that are buying these products. So a lot of different benefits there for Taiwan Semi, for Apple, and for uh, all parties involved, in my opinion. Uh, now, next, we've got uh, the CDC and Palantir that uh, they're renewing a five-year deal worth $443 million. Uh, again, you know, Palantir has sold off in the past couple months pretty significantly. I'm still bullish long-term, and this is not a company that's going to go straight up and have the most beautiful chart. I think a lot of their stuff is secretive. Their CEO and their management's a little eccentric, but uh, I think that's kind of what you get out of a game-changing company, uh, especially in the way of Palantir. You're not going to get uh, straight-laced, uh, you know, suit and tie every day. You're going to get uh, some some different people that are uh, a little bit more eccentric in the way that they live and operate and run their business. So uh, I still like Palantir. I think, uh, you know, at this point, at uh, I think we're around $7. I, I haven't looked specifically today. I still think that uh, a solid price point on this one's probably more around that 11 or $12 in uh, in the next 12 months. And when we're looking at that one, let me pull it up real quick here. Yeah, Palantir's at $7.26. Uh, some of the growth that they've had and customers that they're adding, contracts they're renewing. And I mean, the the analysts here say it's got a price target of 913 for about 26%. I think it's a little bit higher. I'm, I'm more on that uh, $10, $11 ty- type price point with this one. And uh, it might get lower. But uh, in my opinion, this is a solid long-term play. So I will continue to add when I can to build this position up a little bit more, ultimately average down on it. But uh, I do think that they are a long-term growth play with a lot of great products and uh, huge customers. So again, another one that I think could do well long-term. In the short term, we might have some more pain. Um, Going forward, NVIDIA and Deutsche Bank, they uh, enter a multi-year partnership and they are looking to build out uh, AI and ML, which are artificial intelligence and machine learning. So they are really trying to become the next, uh, you know, superpower in that chip space and really find that next lane to really uh, build out both of their businesses. Now, I'm sure NVIDIA needs backing from Deutsche Bank in order to uh, get better funding and things like that. And uh, NVIDIA is going to keep executing to the best of their abilities. And again, one that uh, has had a lot of pain this year. We majorly lost on the uh, the investing challenge on this one. I think it was our week one buy, and we bought it around that three hundred dollar mark, and it had dropped down to about one twenty something, one thirty. We're sitting at one sixty right now. We'll call it that. So you've got about twenty five percent of upside, according to twenty seven different analysts on this name. The PE is sitting at a sixty eight. Um, it is a lot lower than it has been. The beta is a 2.0. So it is a riskier, volatile stock. Uh, one that I would like to keep adding to. I still think these different partnerships in the way that the universe is going in the way of, uh, you know, the AI, machine learning, autonomous driving, everything else that NVIDIA is doing, even the gaming and the crypto. There are a lot of use cases for these high end uh, chips that NVIDIA is making. 
And uh, for that reason, I still want to be adding to this name. Uh, so when those opportunities present themselves, I'm going to do so. If you want uh, to really build a long-term goal or a long-term uh, cash hoard in NVIDIA, I think that you really want to dollar cost average into positions, meaning uh, you know, every week or every month, I'm adding $300 or whatever you can add into a position. That doesn't mean when I'm saying dollar cost average, oh, I'm, I'm waiting for it to get down to 130. Uh, you know, things are going to do this or going to do that. I really want to be very routine in my buying and continually buy, uh, regardless of what the stock price looks like, knowing that in three to five years, this one is going to be higher. And I don't really think we're going to look back and say, man, I bought it at 150 and I really should have waited for 135 when Nvidia is now at 700. So that is kind of my uh, take on it. You know, a lot of people had this same problem with Tesla. Tesla was sitting at uh, in the 20s for a long, long time, and then it ran up to about 400. Uh, so would you be really mad that uh, you bought at 32 and not 27? When it runs up to 400, uh, I don't think you would. You might have said, hey, I, I could have bought a little bit lower, but uh, overall, we're still over 10x our money. So that's where dollar cost averaging really comes into play is for those long-term gains. It's not that trader mindset. It's not uh, you know buy low, sell high. It's continually add uh, and really build that position for long-term wealth. Uh, so that's kind of more of what I'm trying to do on a lot of these names is enter into positions where I feel that they have more long-term growth ahead of them and really ride that wave up. Uh, so that being said, the, the next one that is a, another solid long-term hold here uh, is Lowe's. Lowe's and Home Depot have, uh, have been pretty resilient throughout this uh, pandemic, throughout uh, recessions in the past. People still have things that break in their homes. They still want to uh, replace their roof or windows or, you know, anything else that could possibly potentially be a problem. And, uh, you know, they're, they're in the right spot for all those different end markets. Now, they, uh, they recently uh, announced a $15 billion buyback. So they are going to be in there with us buying their stock uh, for the next, uh, I think it was a, at least a year or two years that they're going to be buying these, uh, these stocks back. So they're going to be in there buying, thinking that their stock is going higher in the long term and that any kind of pullback that they see, they're going to buy it. Uh, now, they also went ahead and raised their outlook for fiscal year 22. Um, I know we don't have too much time left, but uh, they were originally at $95 billion in revenue. And now they upped it to 97 to 98 billion. So that's a pretty significant bump up, especially with the, the climate that's out there and how difficult things have been for different companies. So I still liked uh, some of these stocks and uh, some of them I'm not really itching to buy as much. Uh, I guess I sometimes like to dollar cost average into the market, not necessarily into a single name, if that makes any sense. So I have multiple different positions. I probably own 50, 60 different stocks. And sometimes some of them don't seem so attractive to me. Other times, uh, you know, there's a, a better deal on uh, Tesla than Home Depot. So I might be buying Tesla this week because it dropped down in the 170s. 
And uh, when I'm looking at Home Depot, you know, it dropped uh, to 264 in June, and now we're th- sitting at 317. Uh, so there's always a stock that looks a little bit better to me. And that's one reason that I like to dollar cost average into my market, uh, into a portfolio, and not necessarily right into one name at any given point in time. So it's a little bit tricky. Uh, you know, I'm looking at Home Depot. It's got a uh, 9.3% upside. This is one that I do hold. I do not own Lowe's. Um, Lowe's has done a great job as well. I just went ahead and picked Home Depot for my portfolio. So only 9% upside there. When I click over to Lowe's, let's see what they got here. We've got about 15% of upside according to 17 different ranked analysts right now. So there might be a little bit more upside. You've also got the fact that uh, they have announced this buyback, which is ultimately going to drive this price higher as they invest $15 billion back into their own company buying the stock, which ultimately is going to uh, you know, boost uh, shareholder return, take some of the shares that are on the market out and put them back into their uh, portfolio and into their ownership. But uh, either way you go, I still think that you are in a solid company. Uh, PE on Lowe's is 19. Dividend is about 2%. And let's check Home Depot just out of comparison purposes. Uh, PE on Home Depot is 19. Quarterly dividend is about 2.4%. So very similar uh, in both realms. Uh, I do think that uh, Home Depot has been the one for me. Uh, both of them have been raising their dividends very well over the times that I've been watching them. And both are great names. So if you're not in one of these, I think uh, they might be a good spot at some point. But uh, definitely weigh your options and come up with a price point that works for you and a risk tolerance that works for you to really enter these names. And uh, if there's a better deal out there on something else, I mean, by all means, uh, you know, take a look at those names also. You don't necessarily have to buy right into one stock at any given point. Like I said, you can dollar cost average into the market overall. Um, Where are we at now? We've got uh, Uber. They announced a deal with Motional Robo Taxis uh, or Motional, and they're building Robo Taxis to serve the Vegas market. So if you are in Vegas, it sounds like you might even be able to get in one of these Robo Taxis now. And they are based on the Hyundai uh, Ionic 5s. So they are going to be riding around. I'm not sure if they still are manned or uh, have a driver in them or not. But uh, in short term, we're going to be riding around in cars with no drivers. It's uh, pretty wild out there. But that's what we got on that. We've also got Southwest. The, uh, the airline, the ticker is LUV. They went ahead and reinstated their dividend after three years of, uh, of pausing or canceling this dividend payment. So definitely nice to see that some companies are returning to some dividends. They've got about a 1.8% current yield on their uh, shares for about 18 cents per quarter. And uh, like I said, definitely nice to see this one uh, reinstating a dividend. But it did drop pretty drastically on this news. If you look at a five-day chart, we were trading in that $39.50 to, to $40 range. And uh, today we're sitting at 38.22. So that one definitely dropped on the fact that we are repaying dividends. Money's coming out of the company and ultimately getting paid out. Uh, so a lot of that that payment really came out of their balance sheet and is going to reflect that in the stock price. So you're getting uh, the dividend, but uh, your shares just dropped. 
if you have been in this one for a while. But uh, where else? We've got uh, Microsoft, and we have been watching this deal for a while, uh, the Microsoft Activision deal. And uh, Microsoft, if you do not know, they were looking to buy uh, Activision Blizzard, the the key maker of uh, Call of Duty, a lot of other big named uh, video game franchises that are out there. And I wanted to take a look here. I think the stock price that Microsoft was going to buy it at was uh, $90, but I want to double check that real quick. Um, 95 per share. Okay, so Microsoft was going to buy Activision for $95 a share. And I told you that the uh, the SEC or the FTC might not allow this from the standpoint that Microsoft could have a monopoly. They could be owning all the major titles by buying Activision Blizzard. Now, what has happened is they have announced that they will continue to sell uh, these main titles from Activision Blizzard's uh, development to Nintendo. Uh, but they also had given an olive branch to Sony and the fact that they will allow Sony to have uh, the same access to uh, these Call of Duty games at the same time they would be released on Microsoft. So people are thinking that this uh, Microsoft deal with Activision might actually go through when uh, a short time ago, people were not optimistic that it was actually going to happen. Uh, so I had put this one up on a episode uh, probably over the summer and really was thinking if this does happen, we're going to get a boost from this price right now. We're at 76.47 as I'm recording. We would automatically go to $95 or very close to it on this news if this were to get announced. So in my opinion, it was a very safe bet for the way that uh, Activision had been trading after the pandemic. We had seen uh, a lot of the different video game companies come down. Uh, and then we had a, a lot of that downward pressure, plus that news that Microsoft was going to be buying. I thought that maybe Activision might have been a good buy at that time. Uh, and really, I mean, yeah, looking at last December, we were down at 57.47. And uh, it could have been a good buy from the standpoint of not just market timing, but the fact that we had some positive catalysts going forward, that it really could have given us a bump in uh, in this one. And I'm, I'm still right there with it. At, at 76.47, I still think that it is a solid company. And the fact that Microsoft might get the green light to go ahead and buy it could ultimately be a really good thing. Uh, 13 ranked analysts have a price point of 91.17 for an upside of about 19.3%. And uh, there's a good amount of buy ratings with a price target of 95, pretty much based on that Microsoft deal. So definitely something worth checking out. Definitely something worth watching. And uh, even if the Microsoft deal does not go through, I still think that the video game space is strong. Uh, as I said before, the Call of Duty uh, newest release had a billion dollars in sales before it even came out in pre-orders. So that is a, a massive move. They are highly profitable, more so than uh, than movies or cinema, things like that. So I really do think that uh, going forward, this is going to be a long long term trend and not just something for uh, you know younger kids to play video games anymore. It's it's got more of a backing than that at this point. Uh, a lot of us that grew up with video games still play. And uh, I, I still think that that market is very strong. So one to definitely take a look at. And uh, 
Yeah, with that being said, I, th I think that was all the real short-term news that I had from the past couple days that I wanted to cover. Uh, I will come back. We're going to talk about the investing challenge. I also want to talk about uh, some different experiences I've had and uh, some other names that really do make sense for me going forward. So stick around. I will be right back. All right, we are back here. And uh, if you are not subscribed, please go ahead and subscribe so you do not miss out on any further episodes. And uh, if you haven't shared the podcast, I would definitely appreciate that. And a uh, like or a comment to uh, boost us up in the algorithm, because uh, ultimately, that's the only way that we're going to grow our uh, our user base and ultimately share ideas with each other in our community here. So I uh, would definitely appreciate uh, that love and uh, thank you for doing so if you already have. But um, yeah, so we've got uh, a little bit of a sell-off going on in the S&P uh, and the market in general. But um, the VIX really hasn't spiked too much. We are at a 22.50 on the VIX and we know if we get above that 35, 40 level, it is peak fear. Uh, so we are not so fearful right now. We are right in the middle of the RSI, that relative strength index, when we're looking at the S&P chart. And, uh, you know, we were oversold there for a while. We were down below 30. We spiked back up to about a 70. And now we're sitting right around a 50, right in the middle. We never really got into that overbought territory, but uh, a lot of people were showing on charts. If you were a trader that... Uh, the S&P was trying to beat that 40, 50, 4,100 level and ultimately failed to do so. So it looked like a potential breakdown in the S&P. A lot of traders are calling for lower lows uh, going forward. So there's definitely some fear from those people. Ultimately could give us a good time to buy. We've definitely seen some stocks bottom out. Other ones that we thought were going to uh, you know, go lower ultimately didn't. And uh really, again, gives you a reason to dollar cost average or build a plan for each individual name and know your price point on it. So when it gets there, you can buy and you don't have to have the fear of what if I would have bought or should I have bought? You ultimately know what's going to happen before you even get there. Uh, so that for that reason, I, I've done a couple different things and uh, I kind of wanted to share what I've been doing. And uh, I guess in some ways I've done it again. Uh, no big surprise there if you've been following along for a while. Uh, another one that I've been kind of kind of trading, I'll say, I really wasn't, but uh, the option or the opportunity was just there to take advantage of some some big swings in this name. Uh, and that one name that I have trimmed again is Enphase. Uh, Enphase had got up to. Uh, around 3.30, I had had a sell limit on it at 3.23. Um, and remind you, I am up over 100% in short time with this one. So this position has gotten too big yet again. Uh, so I went ahead and trimmed it. And you know, someone might be saying, too big, too much money in one name. That's crazy. I would love to have that problem. And ultimately, you will in time if you haven't done that already. But this one has just run so massively uh, that it has become a number one position in my portfolio by market cap, not by design. That's just how much it has grown. Uh, so for that reason, I don't want to have as much in this name. And when it reeks, reaches these peak prices, I want to trim it. Uh, so that's what I did. And uh, ultimately, it has come back down again as this one has been volatile and it continues to do this same pattern 
are running up 40, 50 points and then dropping right back down 40, 50 points or, or maybe 35 to 40 points. It's not going down as much as it's going up. It's a slow and steady climb. If you look at a year to date chart of end phase, you'll see what I mean. There's a lot of swings, but ultimately it is an overall uptrend in this name. Uh, so if I can rinse and repeat, sell it at 320 something and buy it down at 280, I'm going to continue to do that. Uh, so maybe you can say I'm a trader in this name with long-term intentions. Uh, it's still the number one position in my portfolio. Again, not by design. That's just how it has grown. So I sold it. Some of it may be 10%. And uh, hopefully I get to buy some more back here in a little bit. If not, it's still that number one position. And uh, it's going to stay that way for a while, it looks like. So what was I buying with that money that I sold out of Enphase? Um, a couple different things we've talked about, uh, a couple that I might have not really, uh, stressed on too much lately, but, uh, I'll just go through some of the buys that I've had since I sold Enphase. And that, that first one was SoFi. Um, I know I told you back in, uh, probably October ish that I was buying this one around $5. And I thought that it was a steal anytime it was under six. Well, it's dropped again. And I guess that squeaky wheel got the grease for this one. So I was buying more shares at 466. It's down below that now, but ultimately this is a long-term plan for me. I know it is not profitable yet. I see the revenue numbers going up. We should be making another hundred some million uh, compared to this quarter for four, year, four quarters out. We should be making a good bit more money. Those uh, uh, returns on the EPS, are well not even eps but the uh, the gains on the amount of money that each share is making is coming up and they should be profitable i'm thinking mid 2024 and i'm going to hold on until at least then to see what this one does i think we'll have some big moves going forward uh, another one um that i think most people can understand and i even bought some in the investing challenge just uh monday i actually added to this one and that name is amazon and again, this one, I, I think when I'm looking at this one, this is not a uh, simply a dollar cost average. This is, um, I wanted this one because it is sold off too much, in my humble opinion. Uh, AWS and the chip space that they're trying to enter into to make these high level computing chips. Uh, retail has certainly seen uh, good days for, uh, you know, that Black Friday to Cyber Monday, but overall, the stock of Amazon has sold off. So I am still bullish long-term on Amazon that they will recover to new highs in that you know three to five year timeline. So I still want to be buying Amazon while everyone else thinks uh, you know retail recession problems. I want to be buying it. Even if it drops down to 70, I'm not uh, rushing to sell this one. It is one that I have long-term faith in. So I'll continue to buy uh, Amazon where I can. Uh, the next one was uh, ABR, Arbor Realty. Uh, went ahead and averaged in a little bit more on that position. Uh, a lot of this one is uh, for the fact that it has been sold off with some of the housing numbers that have uh, really been a problem here lately. But also, I wanted to up my dividend portfolio and uh, rotate back into some of these higher dividend names uh, in, in a little bit and tiptoe back into these. Uh, this one is about a 10% yielder. Sometimes that is a, a problem. It is a REIT, and uh, you're going to get a little bit more on that dividend front to uh, to own this one. 
so I went ahead and nibbled there. Uh, two names we had talked about last time that ultimately, I, I think I told you then that I bought them. I'm just going to cover them quickly. Uh, Salesforce, CrowdStrike added to those off of some of those uh, recurring revenue numbers that are down in this quarter. But ultimately, I think it is going to be pushed out into uh, future quarters. They are still doing really well on a lot of fronts. They had good quarters uh, with earnings beats, revenue beats, and some of those uh, outlooks were cut back. And ultimately, I wanted to take uh, full advantage of that sell-off in these two names. So I went ahead and bought there. Uh, another one we talked about last time that I was buying and I will continue to buy, especially after hearing some more insight from some different people on Blackstone. The ticker is BX. And uh, I was telling you guys that this one is selling off as people are trying to get their money out of their investments in the real estate that uh, Blackstone owns and they are private equity. So if people give their money to the, to Blackstone to ultimately buy different properties, they can go ahead and take their money out um, within reason. They do have a cap on how much money the fund or, or can actually pull out in any one quarter, and that is 5%. Uh, so they are selling off on the fact that a lot of people have wanted their money out of their real estate investments with Blackstone. And ultimately, Blackstone had to sell off, uh, I forget the names of the casinos in Vegas, uh, I want to say one was the MGM and one was, oh, I know I got it written down here somewhere and I'll have to go through these papers. But anyhow, uh, they were selling out of those positions in order to fund uh, some of these, the, the cash that they need in order to pay some of this, uh, their, their investors. And a lot of people were calling it a liquidity crisis. I think that's a little bit overblown. Yes, they are losing some investors. Yes, property values are going down. But overall, Blackstone is one of the largest in the world and they're one of the best to do it. And uh, I'm also getting about a 6% dividend in order to buy right now. And again, it's 6.27% uh, right now, uh, sitting at $78. So I will probably continue to buy this one. And I think a lot of these fears are overblown. So uh, Blackstone... Um, probably a solid long-term hold. And uh, I wanted to tip my toes in the water there. And I will continue to buy as this one goes down as well. So a lot of these situations are squeaky wheel gets the grease. They've all sold off. I think they all have a great long-term outlook. And I wanted to buy those. Um, the final one that I was buying, probably not any kind of surprise if you've been here for a while, Google. Uh, Google was trading down into the 80s. I know I got some closer to 80. I did go ahead and buy at 97. Uh, yeah, I did uh, back in early November. I was buying at 89. So I did average up a bit here uh, and buy some more at 97. Ultimately want to build this position. And uh, like I said, this one was trading at the lowest uh, valuation in its history in November. Uh, so a lot of different things there pointed to the fact that this one has been oversold. It's got a lot of great things going for it. The business is stronger than it's probably ever been. And it's really not getting the respect that I think it deserves. The fact that it was trading at a PE in the mid-teens, it shouldn't be there in my opinion. A lot of people were worried about advertising dollars 
and uh, a possible recession and what that means for Google. But I ultimately think that this one is a powerhouse that is just getting tossed out with a lot of the other problems going on in the world. And uh, I wanted to be there when Google rebounds. So um, that's kind of my thesis on these different names that are out there. Currently, we're sitting at 95, 65 on Google. PE is a 19. And let's just see what the analysts say on this one, just because I'm curious. Uh, call it 35% of upside from this name here. Uh, so those are a lot of my buys. I do have some limit orders still on Tesla. Um, Meta, Facebook, uh, that one has definitely run up a lot in a month. People thought this one was dead money, but uh, it's up about 38% in a month. So if you were buying that one and you thought that uh, it was sold off too much, um, I, I think you uh, actually might not be up 30% in a month now. I think a few days ago it was up 38%, but uh, definitely up pretty major within that short time frame. Let's just pull up the, the one month chart and see where we were. Uh, we were down around uh, 90, I'm going to call it 95, and now we're sitting at around 113. So definitely a, a nice move to the upside there, and uh, it did get up to about 123. So that was about more when it was at that 38% of, uh, of gains in about a month's time. So if, uh, if you've been investing in any of those, you know, please let me know which ones have really treated you well. Uh, if there's anything that you're seeing that uh, really looks like a solid buy right now, feel free to share it up on the group. Um, but yeah, going forward, let's, uh, let's take a look at the investing challenge. As I had uh, just said, I did buy Amazon on Monday for week 49. And now for week 50, we are looking at five other names. I had posted a chart with uh, the... Um, post for this past episode for Monday's episode on the Let It Grow Investing Group. And it was stocks that uh, still had EPS growth above 15% or above 10% and PEs less than 15. So I was really looking to highlight some of these different companies. Not all of these companies on this chart fit the bill, but uh, the ones that I picked, I really tried to find ones that still had solid EPS growth and their, uh, their PEs were lower. Uh, most of them fit the bill. So we're going to start off with NXPI semiconductors. And that one definitely fit the bill when the EPS was still high. Uh, I thought that the chip space has sold off too much. I think we all can agree to that. Um, and now we're seeing some different light come back in with Taiwan Semi and things starting to look back up. Uh, so NXPI fit the bill. And I thought they, that they were going to have the highest five-year growth projections of the different semiconductor names in this group. So I went ahead and added that one for choice number one for week 50. Uh, number two, this one did have a higher PE, but I still think it has great potential in this market. And that name is MasterCard. I still think that the growth is going to be there. You're going to get uh, those solid returns out of MasterCard especially with those saving rates uh, per household coming down to about 2.3% from, you know, average of about 8% uh, per household across the U.S. And uh, the fees on MasterCard are going up. You're also getting higher interest from the people that are swiping their cards and more people are using them. So I think there's a lot of different uh, benefactors that are going to drive MasterCard higher and uh, it should be pretty well protected from all their agreements and all their creditors and things that they have backing this company. 
Uh, so number two was MasterCard and about 15% of upside, according to 19 analysts. Uh, number three, which actually is in the lead right now, which kind of surprises me with the way that people normally vote on this. Uh, number three is actually, believe it or not, Dominion Energy. The ticker is D. That one is in the lead. Uh, so it is a utility. People need to keep the lights on, regardless if there's a recession or not. You're going to have cars to charge. You're going to have you know heat to run. You're going to have uh, lights to keep on. So uh, you're currently getting about a 4.6% dividend on this one. Uh, very insulated, low beta, less volatility. Yes, on that year-to-date basis, it has come down significantly from a high of around 89, call it. We're sitting at 58 right now. So I do think that this one has been oversold uh, with the market. The PE is a bit high at a 27, but uh, I think you're going to get a little bit of safety in this one with the fact that uh, they've got a lot of different projects going on. They're looking to bin, build wind farms off of the, the coast, the Atlantic. They got a lot of different stuff going on. And ultimately, I think they're going to be more in a, uh, a steady growth mode, uh, higher single digit kind of returns on this company. But uh, I think this could be a good entry point being that it has sold off. Uh, there are 14 analysts that say that this one has about 21% of upside for an average price target of $70.64. And you also get the highest dividend out of this group at 4.6%. So a lot of different things that are working well for Dominion and the fact that we're going into a recession. You got an insulated dividend, lower uh, beta, and it's traded down on you know the rest of the market fears that are out there. So I don't think that the stock price and uh, the Wall Street is really representative of this business at this time. So uh, maybe that's why everyone's picking this one this week. I, I do like it. Uh, next one, one that I normally don't talk about, I really haven't even looked into it that much, was Baxter International. And uh, this chart is also remarkably ugly. It uh, has definitely traded down this year. But what I am looking at in the way of Baxter is the fact that uh, they do have solid uh, growth projections for the next, uh, I think it was five years on this chart. I um, forget that uh, actual number here. The forward yield, we've got about uh, a 2.25% quarterly dividend on this. And uh, I still think that pharmaceutical, medical devices, surgical devices all really work well in a recessionary environment in the standpoint of the reusable or the, the things that are not reusable for surgical things like that. They're going to have to buy more and uh, people are going to need their, their pharmaceutical medications regardless of what the economy is doing. So they do have a, a bunch of different segments. They have uh, business in North, South America, Europe, Middle East, Africa, Asia, Pacific, uh, they've got the uh, the Hill-Rom division of uh, pharmaceutical devices. They deal in acute and chronic dialysis therapy, sterile IV solutions, infusions. Uh, I can't even say some of these pharmaceutical words. Uh, I'm not even going to guess. Nutritional therapies, inhaled uh, anesthetics, uh, generic injectable pharmaceuticals, and hemostats, sealant products. So a bunch of different pharmaceutical prices or pharmaceutical pieces that people are going to need that once they run out of them, they need more. It's not that you just clean it off and uh, you know, you're using the same product again. These are going to be things that they're going to continue to buy regardless of what the uh, economy is really doing. 
Um, so that was kind of my thesis there. And uh, they had a good projection on five-year growth. Dividend was safe. The PE was low. And, um, or no, the, the, let me see here. This, uh, the dividend growth was solid. And you also had a trading at a discount to the fair value. So a lot of different things that pointed me into a pharmaceutical company that was on this list that ultimately looked like a solid buy, in my humble opinion, uh, in the way of what's going on in the world right now. Uh, final one was another one that was in that more pharmaceutical-ish place where it's more geared towards weight loss. And that name is Metafast. The ticker is MED, M-E-D. And uh, I guess I just lied when I said Dominion had the highest dividend because currently it is Metafast at 5.6%, PE of 8.9. It is trading cheap. There's a a lot of different reasons that Metafast could be a great company to invest in uh, going forward. And um, a lot of different, again, uses for uh, recurring revenue, all tied to what the uh, you know, not really necessarily tied to what the economy is doing. People are going to need this different food, weight loss uh, supplements and programs in order to reach their, their goals that they've got on their, uh, their weight loss journey, things like that. So I'm really thinking that, uh, you know, there's a lot of tough choices here, you know, whether you want uh, semiconductors that have been oversold, uh, credit cards that ultimately are going to gear up into the holiday season and into a recession, You've got uh, Dominion in the way of a utility that has got a significant amount of upside from the fact that it's sold off so much with a solid dividend or two different type of pharmaceutical plays, healthcare plays. I think that, uh, you know, the choice is really yours to to pick here for this week. So uh, NXPI, MasterCard, Dominion, Baxter, or Metafast, get your votes in over there. Let it grow investing on Facebook. The link is in the description. And uh, ultimately, I want to hear what you guys have to say about this one. So that's what I got for you guys this week. Get your votes in, share it up, and I will catch you guys in the next one. So take care and be safe out there in this uh, crazy investing world. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.